Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce. Plenty to talk about with the Flyers. Uh, but right off the hop, Joe, let's get into Danny Breer being named interim general manager and a situation that occurred recently. An unfortunate video surfaced on social media of his son, Carson Breer, appearing to push a wheelchair down the stairs. And that obviously gained a lot of wind over the last 24 hours or so. And NBC 10 recently uh, obtained a statement from Danny Breer and Carson Breer. I'm going to read that statement Right now, from Danny Breer, he said, I was shocked to see Carson's actions in the video that was shared on social media yesterday. They are inexcusable and run completely counter to our family's values on treating people with respect. Carson is very sorry and accepts full responsibility for his behavior. And then the statement from Carson Breer, obtained by NBC10, I am deeply sorry for my behavior on Saturday. There is no excuse for my actions, and I will do whatever I can to make up for this serious lack of judgment. Carson Breer is a 23-year-old. He currently plays hockey at Mercyhurst University. So I was disappointing to see that on social media, and we'll be following uh, the story, of course, as it moves forward here. Um, and then Danny Breer, of course, will, I think, be pushing forward here with the Flyers. A busy time indeed for the team, for Danny Breer. Uh, he was introduced as interim general manager on Sunday after Chuck Fletcher was fired on Friday as president of Hockey Ops and GM. Joe, how do you think Danny Breer handled himself on Sunday? It was uh, an early morning Zoom interview. I thought he did it uh, really well. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, first off, to just the, the unfortunate situation with his son, I, I'm sure he would gladly take questions now on you know, the lack of talent on the roster and the things that he would expect to handle as a G, as a GM. So I, I don't think this is how he envisioned his first, you know, four or five days going on the on the job. But yeah. um, with that said, in terms of how he handled himself in his introductory press conference, the big thing that stood out, of course, is uh, the the rebuild doesn't mean um, fire sale. Uh, I think that was the headline. And, you know, it's something that I think. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I think Chuck Fletcher would have done himself some favors if he would have said something similar to that before last season instead of the the, the aggressive retool and sort of skirting around a, a, what really was going on with this team and this roster and – um. So I think the fact that Danny laid it out there like that is is a good start. Um, is it what people want to hear? No, but do would people rather hear honesty as opposed to aggressive retool or um, whatever fancy other term they want to put on it because they're afraid of the word re rebuild? Yeah, I think people would rather hear that. And at least at least now everyone knows what this is, and every level of the organization is 
seemingly in agreement that this is what this is. And again, rebuild in this league, we see it doesn't have to be this long, drawn-out process. Um, there are teams that were in a similar situation to the Flyers a few years ago, the Devils for one, the Rangers another, and look where they are. Now the Rangers went out and spent serious money. They made huge trades this offseason. But the, I'm not talking about the specific moves. I'm just saying it doesn't have to be a five- or a six-year process. So it's not like anyone's coming out and saying, okay, we're going to be bad for the next five years, just to warn you. There's another team in town that actually did do that. The Sixers did that for a number of years. They told you we're going to be awful for a number of years. And they were. They got players for it. But that doesn't always work out. And they're different sports. It's a different landscape. Um, and whereas the NBA is kind of moved in the direction of the players sort of running the show, hockey isn't like that, um, at least not yet. And, um, you know, I think for Danny to come out and just put the cards out on the table like that right away, that was his best possible approach. And really, there's not much he can do until they hit the offseason at this point, except for watch some of these younger guys that they hope are part of the future. Or as John Tortorella has referred to several times, there's going to be addition by subtraction. They need to figure out the subtraction part between now and the end of the season. And um, who stays, who goes, that these are a big now, what, 15 games left. It's a big stretch for a lot of these young guys to, um, you know, either play for a spot on this team, audition for another team. Um, we know we have a, there's a couple guys expiring deals, JVR, the big one, of course. So it's a big 15 game sort of resume builder for a lot of these guys and 15 game tryout for some other guys. And, John Tortorella, Danny Briere, the whole front office, they're going to have their eyes on this because that's the start. Uh, before the draft, before that, they have to determine what's the direction with the guys that are currently on this roster, who's who stays, who goes, and then what's the next step after that. So um, I don't think Danny could have approached what he did Sunday any better than he did. I thought he handled himself really well in a really tough spot. That was Sunday morning at 8.30 a.m. on a Zoom call. It was the day of daylight saving time. So essentially it was at 7.30 a.m. on a Sunday morning, a day after his team played in Pittsburgh, and two days after his boss was fired. He doesn't have the full GM job yet, the full-time job. So, And then he's tasked with talking about this team's precarious state, uh, this heavily criticized state of the team. Uh, it was not a, a friendly spot for Denny Briere, and I thought he handled himself really well. He made a case for why he should have the full-time job. He, uh, I thought he really detailed his plans, and I thought he stood his ground on he didn't think this was a fire sale. I thought it was important to admit that it's very much a rebuild and it's going to take time, and he did that. But he really didn't give in to maybe some of the fan sentiment of, trade every single person on the roster and start from from ground one. And I think he stood by his beliefs that there are some ingredients here. And I thought that was important. Good for him. And listen, the other thing, too, is and, and Danny didn't necessarily do this, but we, 
Ashland talked to Scott Lawton last night. Scott talked to, I believe, ABC before the game on Sunday and said, you know, kind of laid out, Danny went, kind of paid his dues. He went to lower levels of hockey. He learned the business, the scouting, the GMing at lower levels, the the diagnosing what guys' strengths and weaknesses are at levels way before they're in the NHL. And I do think that that is a, um, a little bit refreshing in the sense that you're not, um, you're not bringing in a guy that has this resume with, I, I don't, I don't know if failures is a fair term to describe Chuck Fletcher, but when he came in, what you said, all, all you had to go off of was, well, he was in Minnesota and they didn't really win any rounds of the playoffs. Now, What's not included in that statement was that there was a dynasty in the Chicago Blackhawks playing in the wet in the West. And I believe two or three of the years that Chuck was there, they lost to Chicago in the playoffs. So, but there's, it, it's kind of a clean slate. It's okay. You paid your dues. Show us what you have at the, at the big time now. Um, now, again, he doesn't have the full job yet. But I think most people think that he's going to have one of those two jobs that the Flyers, you know, seemingly are going to hire two separate positions as opposed to one guy holding both like like Fletcher did. So, um, yeah, it's kind of just uh, here's what's in front of you. Uh, show us what you have. Show us what you've learned. Um, prove to us that you're. Um, I, I guess what what got Danny the attention is that he was a finalist for the Montreal Canadiens job. Um, and right after that hire was made in Montreal, Danny was then promoted to this, th- the role he had up and up until Chuck Fletcher uh, was removed last week. So um, he has some stature around the league. Anything the Montreal Canadiens do gets the league's attention. So I, I think that was how the Flyers acted and now it's time for him to show, you know, what he's learned and h- how the work that he's done prior to now has paid off. He was definitely a rising name in hockey circles, without a doubt. And he's got experience now on the business side with the Flyers. He's got experience now on the hockey ops side and 45 years old and just a real great mind for the game. A, a number of people have said he's got a mind for the game. And what I think is pretty unique is his fearlessness to take on this job because he's a beloved flyer. He's a guy that that is held in high regard among fans. And when you take these jobs, you run the risk of really tainting your legacy. Um, we've seen it before. Ron Hextall. Yeah, Ron Hextall is a very good case. Um, ended up having to be fired. He's now with a rival organization. I'm not speaking bad on Ron Hextall at all, but no, he was a I, beloved I, flyer who took a high up position that warrants a lot of criticism and eyes, and it can sometimes tarnish a legacy. And Danny Breer is going into this, I think, with a fearlessness. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not speaking badly on Hextall either. I, I'm what I'm saying is while he held the position, I don't I, I think people thought less of his role as a flyer. I don't think they think it now. I think that 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 can fade away, but you know there was there's the Flyers are still feeling some of the Ron Hextall era yeah. issues with some of the things that are going on in this team. Um, 
so you're right. It can it can tarnish a legacy. It can um, it can get, put fans in a spot where they feel uncomfortable. And um, I always thought the same thing about the when before John Tortorella was hired, when Rick Tockett's name got thrown around. Um, do you you sacrifice some of that? I'll say like carte blanche you have with this town and this organization when you take a role like that. I think you're starting to see that with some of the commentary surrounding the the 70s flyers being involved in things. I think you're starting to see some of that as the generations who watch them win cups grow older. And then you have some of the younger fans. They there's kind of a lot of negative attention being um dealt in those guys direction and that's what happens and you know not to say they haven't been involved before bob clark was a gm before bill barber was the head coach here before um but it kind of um if you think about it like there's a a shield a force field around these guys right up until they take a job like a coach or a gm and then all of that is removed and sometimes that is in the kindest place to be when you're a beloved player that in the history of a franchise. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Joe, one thing I think the Flyers can really benefit with Danny Briere is the way he understands what makes players tick. What you know, you can catch things with your eyes when you've played the way Danny Barrere has in his career. He was a very clutch playoff player. And there takes a certain type of player to perform in those moments, uh, to deal with pressure and and succeed. And he was a big-time playoff player, not just here, but throughout his career. And I think that's something they can benefit from the Flyers, is Barrere having an eye for talent at the young age when they're you know you're drafting and developing and when it comes to the entry draft, which is probably the biggest, most important avenue in terms of getting high-end talent, is watching players at that part of their career and maybe seeing something, something that's different that you can tell will develop at the NHL level, whether it be, you know, performing in big moments or um, having a certain skill set and understanding that can translate. I really think Breyer's got an eye for that because he's done it. He understands. He was not the biggest player. I think he was five foot nine, like 174 pounds, but he had a mental edge when he played and that's important. And I think you can spot that early on with players. I think Breer could do that with the flyers. If he's the GM um, and he's got people around him, uh, he's going to have a obviously huge voice in who they draft, who they bring in. I really think the flyers could, uh, could use that. You know, coming up through the ranks that Danny always heard, you're undersized, you're this, you're that, you're never going to be able to hold up physically. And he did that. The Flyers were on the receiving end of it when Danny was in Buffalo, and then they got to reap the benefits of it when he was here, um, including during their their uh, cup final run in, in 2010. Um, so that does take a mental toughness and just – you look at his size and his stature and the the length of the career that he had, um, and that just tells you what kind of player he was and sort of that mental edge that you just referred to. And 
being able to identify that is huge because um, I think it's a different kind of player you're dealing with now when they come into the league. And I think you're seeing with certain guys like Jack Hughes, not the biggest guy when he came in the league, right? And then when, when we saw him play in his first couple of years, I would say there's probably some people that had some doubts, like, is this guy going to really blossom into the star that everyone thinks he is? I don't think anybody's thinking that anymore. So it's not necessarily like right away do they have the edge. It's will this guy have the edge down the line? And I think the Flyers' current players, that's part of this process of who stays and who goes because I don't think they have any of the players whose skills just jump out of the building and you're just waiting for the other stuff to come around. I think it's stuff that has they have to get better in both the mental and physical parts of the game. And I think there's a lot of guys here that I don't want to call them projects in the sense that they don't have what it takes and they need to learn what it takes, but projects in the sense that to bring them to their full potential. And I think Danny will be great at recognizing what potential guys have and then leave it up to the coaching staff to get that potential out of them. I really believe Briere is going to be the front runner and is the front runner for the GM job. Uh, my gut tells me he will get the job and then they will hire a president of hockey ops, maybe with more experience, someone to oversee Briere, and then they'll form a relationship. How much say that president of hockey ops has? Uh, will Danny be calling the shots? Will he need to obviously get them checked off by the president of hockey ops? We'll see where it all goes. I firmly believe, though, he is the front runner for the job. I don't see why not. But do I believe he needs to prove himself? Absolutely. He's never been a GM. He's never been an assistant GM. Uh, and he is young. He is 45 years old. I definitely think he has paid his dues and he deserves a shot at it. But I really think he will have to prove himself. But to me, overall, the feeling is that it's refreshing to, I think, have a new start with the Flyers and do it, have it with a guy that um, is young, energetic, knows the game, was successful here, understands what it takes to play in this city understands where the organization is right now and why it needs to get back to a, a better place. I think that's all refreshing. And I, I bet it's refreshing for fans. If anything, I think it'll certainly gain interest of fans and make fans want to come back to the building and, and start watching the flyers and see what Danny Breer can do. And if you look at it, where he played in his career, Buffalo, Philadelphia, Montreal, these are huge hockey markets. Yeah. So he's no stranger to pressure of, of a city and a, and a big, a loud, um, opinionated, and passionate fan base. Um, all those locations, obviously, are that. So, I mean, that helps as well. Catch all the sports action and more at Rivers Casino, Philadelphia. Whether it's the money line or the pass line, there's something for everyone, including a great sports book. Rivers Casino, Philadelphia. Philly loves a winner. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We are live at Rivers Casino in Philadelphia, and it is packed here, Joe. It uh, is. We learned that <laughs> through the packed parking lot where we had trouble yeah. parking. Um, but it's packed down here. It's a fun place to be, especially with so much sports going on. March Madness on the cusp of starting. or has World Baseball start. Classic. World Baseball Classic. Out here on so, yeah, TVs. Absolutely. A fun place to be and a fun place to be uh, when you're talking and watching sports. Joe, with the Flyers, 15 games left on this season. Of course, as we all know, no playoff race. A lot of evaluation to be done and had 
if there's a storyline, Joe, in your mind that you want to see develop over these final 15 games, what would it be? So I'm going to, I'm taking a look at one of the young guys that I think we can all with certainty say he's going to be here. And that's Cam York. We talked about it a little bit last night. Scott Hartnell pointed it out on, um, put on post game last night, Cam York's defense, particularly when faced with a one-on-one situation with one, uh, some of the league's top guys. Last night it was Jack Eichel on a couple of occasions that he really had perfect perfect positioning on him. Eichel was coming at him with speed, and he was able to edge him off the play, not take a penalty, use his stick effectively, and his body. We saw him do that with Connor McDavid earlier in the season when Edmonton was in town. And these are the kind of things you want to see because I think we know – uh, with Cam York, that he has a lot of offensive skills. He has the skills to run a power play, um, to get shots through from the point, to skate. That growth and development on the defensive end, I think, is huge. And showing that he can go and hit. Now, does he want to have Jack Eichel skating at him one on one or Connor McDavid for an entire game? No, he doesn't. Now, I don't think anybody on any team wants that to go on, but when forced into that situation in the transition game, which players like that are always looking to get out in the transition with the puck, you want to see him make plays where he looks like a veteran as opposed to a a young up-and-coming defenseman who didn't start the year with this team. And I think we saw that both against Edmonton and then last night against Vegas with Jack Eichel. And that, to me, is impressive. And to me, you want to see that continue to grow the last 15 games and into the offseason because he's going to be a huge piece of this going forward. I don't think anybody has any questions about that. Yeah, when people are asking, what do the Flyers have that's worth keeping? I think you think of some of the young prospects that are just starting to scratch the surface, start just starting to gain roles here in the NHL. Cam York's one of them. Um, Cam York, Tyson Forrester, uh, Owen Tippett, Noah Case, some guys that... And quite frankly, they need to see signs that Joel Farabee yeah. of previous seasons is still in the Joel Farabee we're seeing now, who's been struggling mightily, I believe, January 9th or 7th was the last time he scored a goal. And, they, I mean, this is a former first-round pick, just like York. Um, you You need to see that that guy's there. And we're speaking of Jack Eichel who's really the test case for that surgery that Joel Farabee had. And the Flyers are hoping year two looks more like prior to the surgery, just like, I mean, Eichel had the whole situation in Buffalo go awry because of that surgery and disagreements about it and stuff. But in terms of how he looks on the ice, he's now watching last night, particularly the touch pass he makes on the goal by, um, I'm blanking on who scored the goal. Yeah, the little touch pass he made, yeah. Stevenson passed to Eichel and then Eichel across, you know, two seams yeah. right in front of the net on the doorstep. So you want to see Farabee with a full offseason come back to normal. And John Tortorella has indicated he's seen some signs from Joel in recent games, signs that necessarily you or I or the fans watching are not going to pick up um, because the, the results aren't there. So. Um, the Flyers definitely want to see more out of him as this season comes to a close. Yeah, that's another good one is Farabee maybe breaking that goal slump, gaining a little bit of confidence going into a really important offseason where if all goes well, he's hoping he can train normally, build important strength, the op- an opportunity he just did not have this past offseason when he had that artificial disc put in, you know, surgically put into his neck. Um, 
he he missed a whole summer really of important stuff for a young kid that's only 22 um, and came and back skinnier side and came back way earlier than anyone anticipated too. Absolutely. so that shouldn't be lost on anyone that he worked enough to be back in game shape enough to not miss any of the season yeah i'm speaking of the beginning of the season not miss any of that which no one thought so in hindsight was that the best decision i don't know time will tell but i mean i don't think you can question his dedication to being as good as if not better than he was before the surgery and I think he'll have a chip on his shoulder this this offseason. I yeah. really do. I think he's frustrated with how this year went. He wants to be a foundation piece. He wants to get back to being a guy that can score twenty plus goals and and really show that he's one of the next really key pieces to pushing this forward. Joe, for me, uh, I'll say Sean Couturier. Can he play a game or two? He was on the ice the other day at morning skate. He participated in non contact fashion, and I just think that would be such a major storyline if he can get out there play a game for the first time in over a year and hold up, see how his body holds up. Does his back uh, feel, feel well the next day he's endured two back surgeries in a span of eight and a half months. He's doing a lot better after this one. Uh, the first one clearly just did not do the trick. He was dealing with lingering effects uh, as he was trying to push through it. It flared up on him a couple days before training camp when he pushed hard, uh, needed the second surgery in late October and he said he's feeling really well. He's not feeling pain. And his goal is to play in some games. While that may seem meaningless because the season right now is meaningless in terms of playoff race, I think that would do wonders for Sean, Sean Couturier's confidence and his psyche going into the offseason. We saw the same situation with Kevin Hayes last year. He played in some meaningless games, but they were meaningful to him where he could see that his body, his core area could hold up and he could prove that he was healthy and feel good again playing hockey think the same could be said for Sean Couturier and boy who knows if he comes into camp next year healthy and himself maybe things are expedited a little bit I mean it's a sulky trophy winning player that's uh, 30 years old and he do it all center though you know those guys don't fall off trees um, very often so uh, that to me will be a big storyline do we see Sean Couturier in a Flyers jersey again this year and how does he look yeah um I think the term meaningless is the stuff that we toss around, fans toss around, but I don't think any players think of it as meaningless because you, if you go up and down the roster, I don't know if you find one guy on this team that these games don't mean something to uh, because this team is in such a transitionary phase. The, these games mean a ton. It means the future to all these guys. I mean, whether it's Noah Cates, who is a guy who's grown this season into a two-way center, more so the defensive side, but a two-way center that kind of reminds you of some of the ways that Sean Couturier plays. Or a guy like JVR who's looking for his next contract, who we all think will not be here, but if he wants to keep playing, he needs to get another contract. So to I think meaningless is it, it, when you just refer to the playoff standings, yes, but not for any of these guys. And for Couturier, you would have to think it means – I mean, he said it yesterday. If he doesn't play, it's going to be two years since he's been in a game, and he doesn't want that to be – you know, that's not a great position to be in, especially when you're around 30. And I think he said yesterday, I'm not getting any younger. You know, um, none of us are. So, you know, if your, prof your profession has a short shelf life like pro athletes, you don't want to be just missing two years of it because, I mean – 
you miss two years of it, it, it could be you, the end could come a lot quicker than you want. And he, he laughed and smiled when he said he doesn't know how f- quickly things will come back. Like, will it take a couple games, a couple weeks to get that timing and everything feeling good again? Obviously, that's health aside. That's, you know, I think everyone's hoping that he can go out there, feel healthy, be healthy the next day. But then also just being the player he was. And look at the players time. he's going to be playing with compared to the last time he played. It's yeah. all, I mean, the roster's not even remotely close to the same. So that's going to be a big thing, too. Yeah, and these games are awfully important for the players. I mean, you have a new GM, and there's going to be a new president of Hockey Ops, too. And these people are going to be given information from folks that are around this right now about which players fit, which players don't. And everyone knows there could be some considerable change in the offseason. So players are playing for their status in the organization, for jobs elsewhere. Uh, important games. Important games, no doubt, because 15 games is a big chunk. It's a a decent sample size to either finish off where you were in the season or to maybe gain some more, uh, some more pedigree within the Flyers organization. So ton to watch, ton to evaluate. We will have it all here on the Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Joe, thank you so much for joining me and chatting with me. Great to see you. A big thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast producer and guru, and Tom Finer, our video do-it-all man. Big thank you to the folks that help get us here and up and running here at Rivers Casino, Philadelphia, and Flyers fans. Of course, as always, thank you so much for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and listen, and we can't wait to talk to you next time. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home yes, cool. or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.